Simon and Wayne's Spitting Review, with your hosts, Simon Jones and Wayne Bolt. Hello! Hello! And welcome to this week's episode of Spitting Review, with me, Simon Jones, and me, Wayne Bolt. This week we're back to the trailer park, as ever, and we're also taking a look at a particularly clever new way that they're marketing the new Cowboys and Aliens by linking up with one of YouTube's indie filmmaking stars. So, kicking off with the trailer park. Yes, yeah, so we got six films in the trailer park this week, Simon, because I believe you um, added a last-minute addition, which yes. we'll come on to later. special bonus. Special bonus. Uh, first of all, it's a film called Haywire, which is directed by Steven Soderbergh, who, of course, is famous for, amongst other things, Ocean's 11, 12, and 13. Yes. Um, I had not heard of this film. No. At all. Neither did I. Um, it appears to be focusing around a female spy. Yes. In very much a sort of born, born yeah. style, yeah, so. uh, both in terms of the action by the looks of things and parts of the kind of the way it's strung together. Yeah. Uh, Ewan McGregor also is in it. I'm not quite sure if yeah. he's a good guy or a bad guy. Um, and yeah, some sort of globe-trotting espionage tale. Yeah, very much in the uh, in the vein of Born. Um, where the, the 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 spy who's played by Gina Carano, who is famous as a model, an MMA, you know, mixed martial arts fighter, and also was Crush in the American Gladiators, ah. yeah, which is why she's probably quite good at doing the fighting scenes. I did wonder where she came from because it was a sort of role that would normally go to someone quite well known. Yeah, um, and it was kind of presenting her like a big deal, but yeah, I, I wasn't really. Oh, well, maybe she is a big deal in the states. So Could well be, um, like Terry Pyler. Yeah. I mean, MMA is not quite so popular over here, but um, and sort of American Gladiators isn't really shown over here anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, good good sort of action scenes by the looks of things. Yeah, it looked nice and gritty. Yeah, but I think mean, it's just it's just a Bourne movie with a female playing the Bourne part. Yes, and it's also a trailer which shows the entire film in the trailer. Mm. It seemed to have at least two or three presumably major plot twists mm-hmm. given away in it. Uh, which looked like they'd be really interesting if you saw them in the film. But in a two-minute trailer, uh, it doesn't really work, and it kind of presumably has taken away a lot of the impact that we'll have when you watch it. Well, unless there's a lot of other twists and turns. Yeah, maybe that all happens in the first ten minutes. You you never know, know. never know. So, um, Gertie for that one, Simon. Uh, Probably a happy face for the film, but an ambivalent face for the trailer, because it annoyed me by showing me too much. Oh, right, yeah, because I just gave it uh, an ambivalent face. Um, but I think just basing it on the trailer mm. it doesn't really sell the film no, no even though I'd quite like to enjoy it yes yeah. and the aspects that it did sell me on I was then annoyed that it showed me so right yes. okay next uh, a film called Dreamhouse which was um, starring Daniel Craig Naomi Watts and Rachel Weiss. yes and looks like a standard horror setup. new family moves into a house everything's hunky-dory and then fairly rapidly they realise that Something bad happened in the house many yeah. years ago, and now the evil's back to haunt them, and that kind of thing. Uh, but then there's another twist, and you find out that actually it's probably Daniel Craig who was the perpetrator of the crime way back, and now he's all having crazy dreams in his head. Yeah. Uh, again, the trailer showed me ah, far too much. Dream house. Yes. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, another entire film in the trailer. Uh, I get the feeling if I'd gone into this film knowing absolutely nothing about it, I'd probably have found it really increasingly intriguing because it yeah. starts off as a kind of generic horror like you'd see in Outer Limits or whatever. Yeah, but that's the thing though, it's just, it's starting out just as a generic, a generic horror and we've mm. seen that whole um, found moving into a house kind of horror uh, flick before uh, again and again. Um, and I think the, the dream twist is is quite a nice little 
take on it. But as you say, it, it, have we seen all the film? Yeah, well, I think it's the problem. It looks like a film that is incredibly difficult to actually market because the key thing that makes it interesting, if you show that, you've probably spoiled the film quite mm. a lot. If you don't show it, then it looks like a generic yeah. uh, horror movie. Well, I don't know. Maybe there's going to be layers of dreams of and dreams of and dreams, which appears to be a new, uh, a new fun thing yes. since Inception. Indeed. I mean, it could be that if they treat Daniel Craig's character sort of seriously, then mm. it could be less about the horror and the twist and more about getting inside his head yep. and seeing what's going on there. So, yeah, could still anyway, work. All that aside, I was quite intrigued by it, so I give it a smiley face. Yes, same here. Absolutely. Excellent. All right. Um, third is a film called Paranormal Activity... Three. Yes. Have you seen Paranormal Activity 1 or 2? No. Have you? Uh, no. Have you any inclination to? Not particularly, no. Neither have I. Uh, uh, Paranormal Activity, if I remember rightly, was uh, given credit as one of the scariest movies which had been released for a long, long time. Yes. The first one did sound quite interesting. It was all sort of found footage type, you know, Blair Witch Project. Mm. Uh, a lot of CCTV camera footage in a bedroom or something. I don't know. I, I don't know. I haven't seen it. Yeah. So we're talking about it as if we've seen it, but we haven't. I know. Um, the first one did sound interesting. I was quite surprised when they started making sequels because it didn't seem like something that lent itself to further versions of it. Yeah. Um, and that, particularly with horror films, that once you start getting into the sequels, you get the feeling that whatever made the original interesting and gave it a spark has probably been used up. Yeah. Um, and certainly in this, it, nothing really grabbed me. Perhaps because I don't know the originals, but it seemed like a, lo- a collection of random footage that yeah. wasn't particularly interesting. And also, um, there's no one really famous in the film, is there, either? I know it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a bad film. But when you're trying to find something sort of to just buy into it, I mean, even the directors aren't particularly uh, well-known. Uh, Henry Joostin, Ariel Shulman haven't really done much other stuff, as far as I can tell. Is that the same director that did the first one? I don't think so, because IMDB didn't seem to indicate. That's where I get all my knowledge, by the way. I sound... <laughs> As if I'm clever and know what it's off the top of my head, but I don't. Yeah, I think uh, if the original filmmakers aren't involved, that's probably a telling sign as well. Yeah. But we are kind of judging films based on the fact we haven't actually seen, seen them. them. Yeah. Which is okay if it's Transformers 3, but other things it's maybe a, a bit okay. mean. So, Gertie for that one, Simon. Uh, ambivalent face, really. Didn't really get me in any way. Yeah, ambivalent face to me as well. Once again, there's just nothing in there to make me want to see the film. Um, and seeing as this is now the third film in, in this series of films, and I've not been bothered to see the first two. Um, probably not going to change yeah. our minds. So, Simon, the next one we got is a film uh, you really like the look of, I believe. <laughs> uh, Courageous, directed by and starring Alex Kendrick. Yes, this looks like a, a, a highly subtle examination of <laughs> courage and duty. and yeah, it's, it's none of that. It looks like the most obvious film ever made. Uh, whether it's the trailer or whether it's the film I'm not sure but I think it's probably a bit of both I think it's the both yeah um, well as far as I can tell from looking at the trailer it's a film about four American cops uh, one of whom gets sacked and then they have to start coping with father issues and being absent fathers away from their kids because they've been in the force all the time it just looks pretty naff <laughs> yes it looks amazing <laughs> uh, the trailer in particular is incredible because it's got this like dramatic 3D version of the police badge coming in your face not like that and it just looks so incredibly cheesy in every way and it's one of those films where you know you're meant to show not tell mm-hmm. as in you should show something uh, that makes you emotional you shouldn't tell the audience to be emotional and it just seemed to be a load of dialogue sequences of fathers telling each other how important it is to be a father and uh, yeah that's rubbish yes look pretty dire yep. really yep. Um, so um, enough of that sad face yes absolutely Okay, um, and we're now moving on to a, a British film um, called Kill List. Hmm. This is, I believe, the debut 
uh, film direction by Ben Wheatley. Yes, I think who, he wrote it as well. Yes, um, probably did. He started out um, directing short films and animations and then did a lot of stuff on the internet. And um, regular readers of the Beta um, website will be familiar with his work. I mean, he then went on, moved on to television um, and directed a few live action things there. Uh, so he really has sort of come a long way into doing this, and this yeah. is his first feature. That's interesting. It's interesting to see someone come come out of YouTube, or not YouTube, but internet culture, yeah, and now being working on his first feature film, which kind of ties into where we're going to be talking about in a yes. minute. Um, I thought it was a fantastic trailer. Yeah, me too. Yeah, um, both in terms of the movie looks great, and the trailer does such a good job of setting up the tone of the movie without really telling you anything. Mm. You get the feeling that it's. You know, about hitmen, it's about how unpleasant it is <laughs> to yeah. be hunted by a hitman. But it doesn't need so much more. No, that's all you got. There's loads of intriguing shots. You get to see different characters and setups, but it doesn't give you too much context. Mm. So it's just the right amount of intrigue mm. without going down the haywire and dreamhouse route of telling you everything yeah. about the film. So it definitely leaves you wanting more. We are told, though, um, by IndieWire, that this film will leave your bones rattling. And also, Jamie Graham of Total Film says this is the best, best British. Best? It's the best British genre film in years. Yeah, um, I think it just looks fascinating, really. And yeah, well, it looks um, incredibly cheap, I guess. But I don't mean that in a bad way. They've, they've shot it low in, budget. Yeah, but again, not in a bad way. Mm. It's something about it. I imagine it adds to the kind of scary nature of it, in that it's kind of slightly crossing over into documentary almost mm. well um, but it's hard to tell really because yeah. it, it just looks didn't have any of that Hollywood polish no but in a good way <laughs> in a good way indeed so yeah big smiley face for me yeah and a big smiley face for me for Kill List and it's one you should add to your watch list so we did that yeah <laughs> clever yeah. All right and normally we just do the five yes uh, trials, and, don't we? and you can find those on imdb.com I'm yes. not sure if we mentioned that yes so, yeah. um so we have a bonus trailer uh, this time, which uh, was found by Simon. Yes. Um, called Knights of Badastum. 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 Yes. This trailer was released at Comic Con just this last week, um, and stars a whole bunch of genre actors like Summer Glau and the guy from True Blood, whose name I don't know, um, and Peter Dinklage from Game of Thrones. And they're all a bunch of LARPers. Mm. And then in the middle of some live-action role-playing, they accidentally summon an actual demon and then presumably have to cope with what to do with that, despite the fact they just have plastic swords. Yeah. So as an ex or current LARPer... Well, ex-LARPer. Ex-LARPer, really, yeah. Yeah. Is that official now? Um, well, pretty much. I've not been for a couple of years, but that's not important right now. Um <laughs> It looks pretty good, actually. I really like the, the, the feel and tongue-in-cheekness of it. Um, and it's nice to see LARP being used in the film where, even though it's obviously um, um, nodding to the fact it's a bit geeky and a bit specialist, um, it, it doesn't seem to be making too much fun of it like other things have done in the past, which is a very nice thing from a LARPer's point of view. And, yeah, it just looks very good, very funny, very tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, I think, like you say, it seems to have got a nice balance of... Uh, Slightly taking the mick out of it mm. and highlighting that there are elements of it that are completely ridiculous, mm. but at the same time, it seems to be acknowledging that you know, this is a film made for LARPers as well. It's yeah. not completely ridiculing them. It's no, not, it's not, which makes it, well, at least from what we can tell by the trailer. Yes, indeed. But it makes it different to say Gamer, which supposedly was a film made for gamers, but which seemed to hate gamers. Yes. Utterly loathe them. Yeah. So. But then there's the film The Gamers. Which yeah. was made, obviously, for gamers, 
but not the ones who would like to be in Gamer, which was also a LARPy-based film. But it's all very good. One thing I, I like about it is I'm sure there's plenty of LARPers out there who secretly wish that one of their rituals or something they were doing went wrong and they'd summon something into a... Uh, to cause chaos and misery, particularly if it's a succubus, which is what appears to be turning up. Yes, yeah, so of all the demons, that's probably the best one. the best one, yeah. yeah. So yeah, uh, smiley face for me. Yeah, uh, smiley face for me as well. And um, I think, that's, that was, as you said, it just released at Comic-Con, which is mm. why it's been a bit under the radar. Yeah, whether it even has a release, I don't, don't know. know. I'm don't not know. Sure yet. But if you want to find out more about it, then I'm sure you can visit their website, which is knightsofbadassdom.com. Yeah, you make a little song out of that. Well, you probably could do. I, I'd be surprised if someone hasn't. If you have made a song about knightsofbadadstum.com and you want to get some recognition for it, why don't you send it to us and we'll include it in one of our episodes. Absolutely. Right. Okay. So, um, before we um, move on to our feature presentation, as it were, have you got any even news, Simon? I know we were discussing beforehand, neither of us had anything to say, but I just wanted to warn people out there that if you watch the film Troll 2 and I'm expecting Trolls to be in it, which, you know, seeing as it's called Troll 2, um, be disappointed. There are no trolls in Troll 2. There are goblins, but no trolls. Hmm, strange. That's a bit like the Karate Kid remake, which is, in fact, all about Kung Fu. Yeah. Hmm. Why do you do it, Hollywood? Why? (laughs) Why do you give us these false promises? Maybe they think that trolls market much better than goblins. They They couldn't sell a goblin film. Well, to be fair, it is a pretty shoddy film. And the studio who were releasing it, Universal, I think. This or was it the line? Was it, it might have been MGM. I can't remember. It's not important. But they obviously wanted to cash in on the success of the previous Troll film, which did have a troll in it. That um, was called Troll and had a troll in it, so that's very good. Um, they decided, why not take a film with goblins in it and call it Troll 2? Yeah. Do you reckon during production the films actually had nothing to do with each other at all? No, 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 nothing at all. Yeah. It was just a last minute thing. From what I've been able to tell by reading a couple of things about it, um, the, the studio obviously realised because it was just such a naff film, they were never going to get anywhere on its own, so yeah. trying to piggyback it on something else. Just trying to cheat and get an yeah. audience as big as It's terrible. It, it, it ranks down there with some of the asylum films. Oh dear. Yeah. That's pretty terrible. However, I did um, manage to. I started watching it again last night after I watched it the first time around, but I downloaded the Rift Tracks commentary. Now, Rift Tracks, I don't know if you know, are uh, from the people who made Mystery Science Theater 3000, who basically do a sort of director's commentary kind of thing um, on loads of bad films, but add an extra comical insight to it, and that did help. So I'm going to go back and revisit Birdemic with the Rift Tracks people as well to see if we can get through that. <laughs> Where would you get these from? Rifttracks.com, which is a, a website. I mean, you've got to pay sort of $3 or so um, per track, dependent on the film. And it's quite good, especially if you do miss MST3K, hmm. which I do oh. a lot. Excellent. Okie doke. Well, let's go from the depths of depravity of Hollywood at its most imaginatorily bankrupt. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that's a word. Well, um, bankrupt is. That, that definitely is a word. Uh, but yeah to the kind of emerging creative elements on YouTube. Obviously, YouTube appeared around 2005, and it was invented primarily to show videos of cats, or cats being put in bins, Mm. or in buckets, or, Mm. you know, cats being put in various locations. And it did really well at that. But no respectful filmmaker in their right mind wanted to show their stuff on it, because it just wasn't a particularly good venue. Uh, Then in the last couple of years... They introduced HD, so you could actually show your film at decent quality, mm-hmm. and 
around about the same time you started to get these new filmmakers emerging, uh, kind of indie, zero-budget filmmakers who maybe aren't even doing it for a career, but they're just having a laugh, playing around, and you know, this kind of coincided with good cameras suddenly becoming available, mm. so that you weren't just shooting it on some crappy DV thing, you actually had... Like good cameras being affordable as well. Exactly, yes, they've always been available, but you know, it was always the the kind of restricted to professional productions mm-hmm. or anyone that could somehow pull a budget together. Mm. All of a sudden, for under $1,000 yep. or £1,000, you can get a good stuff. And also, there's reasonably repriced uh, special effects offer out there as well for people who like to do Jedi films and stuff. Yes, indeed. I, I could mention it, but I might be slightly biased. Oh, I'll mention it. Go on, then. Uh, it's the Hit Film um, special effects software from FX Home, I believe. Excellent, yes. You can find out about that at hitfilm.com. All right. Woo! <laughs> um, so, yeah, one of the, well, probably the leading indie filmmaker who kind of focuses in particularly on visual effects and has a kind of computer gaming bent to the stuff he does is Freddie Wong. You can find him at youtube.com slash freddiew. And uh, yeah, for the last couple of years now, I think, he's been pumping out videos about once a week, each of them taking a completely different approach. Uh, He tends to be focused around guns and explosions, which is no bad thing. And uh, we thought we'd take a little look at him, particularly because his most recent video is Freddy W and... Well, it's Cowboys and Freddy W. Cowboys yeah. and Freddy W featuring John Favreau. Mm. Uh, so this is particularly interesting uh, because it's kind of come about as a marketing move for... Cowboys and Aliens. Yes, which is a film we're quite looking forward to. Yep. Um, and Favreau, the director, who also did Iron Man and uh, Zarathustra, Oh yeah, back in the day, uh, thought it'd be a good idea to get Freddie in to do a kind of viral promotion around it. Uh, now, what appears to be the case is that rather than telling him exactly what to do, he basically said, "Come in and do something, and we'll give you some cool stuff." Yeah, and it went from there. Yeah, um, and, and has produced a very good uh, short film. Yes, yeah, so this little action sequence, kind of riffing on all sorts of westerns and Back to the Future and Cowboys and Aliens. And yeah. It. Uh, and yeah it works really really well I mean it's an action sequence that wouldn't really be out of place in a full feature film and that's kind of where these guys are coming from which is that in a couple of weeks they'll produce like a two minute three minute short which has all the production quality of a major feature Um, I imagine there's a lot of post houses in Hollywood that are kind of getting a bit nervous because Mm -hmm. they won't be able to charge the ridiculous amounts they normally do when these guys are doing it but I think no this time, I think they were helped out by the fact they were able to use the Cowboys and Alien sets and yes. Universal provided a lot of crew and the catering as well. Yeah, yeah, that did look like it helped. Yeah. Um, but it's just interesting seeing this kind of make-it-up-as-you-go-along kind of filmmaker starting to get the attention of uh, sort of Hollywood and mm. those traditional elements because it's kind of changing stuff around. I've heard a lot of sort of word from studios who kind of don't really like this whole YouTube Mm -hmm. thing because like any industry when new stuff comes along particularly if it's the internet they get really scared yeah Uh, so it's kind of cool to see people like John Favreau going actually no let's not be scared let's use this and make it something cool yeah so yeah and obviously this kind of YouTube video stuff is kind of where we're trying to go with it's a trap a little bit as well Mm -hmm. which is a a long and painful road but we are getting there yeah bit by bit bit by bit we're getting there um, but anyway, let's go back to Cowboys and Freddie W. Mm. So I think it's worth talking about the film for a little bit. It's set in a, a Western um, scenario, uh, hence the Cowboys bit. And it's uh, it's a good old cowboy shootout with uh, weaponry obviously beyond that the uh, normal Cowboys of yesteryear uh, would normally have. Like They would have fully automatic weaponry, um, alien 
looking tech, uh, holographic trucks and this sort of thing. And it was just really, really well put together as a as a, a traditional cowboy shoe type, but sort of extreme. Yes. Um, so it was all very good. Uh, and the best thing about it is it has actually left me wanting to watch Cowboys and Aliens. Yeah. So from that point of view... It works it's, really well. It's worked really well. Yeah. Um, it, it, everything feels a bit more genuine, I think, when you've got people like this working on promotional items yep. rather than like you know we do the trailer park every episode and so often if you can just tell that the trailer is ticking all the kind of formulaic mm, trailer departments it's you know. a world where women run over people and then get married to them yes yeah, yeah. A spate of that going on a while back if you remember particular favorite uh and yeah so to kind of move away from that kind of formula is is really refreshing yep Actually, so yeah, if you want to check out some cool indie stuff, then check out Freddie W's channel on YouTube. It uh, it will make you notice just how unimaginative most Hollywood action sequences are these days, though. So yeah, hopefully these guys will start to make movies for the cinema. Well, let's hope so. Yes, and if they do, let's hope they're allowed to keep full creative control over it and don't have to start um, towing the studio line. Yeah, absolutely. I think they're kind of you know Robert Rodriguez ten years ago, kind of well, maybe 20 years ago now, started pushing indie film in new ways, and I think these guys are going to do it for the current generation. So, hurrah for them. Yes, indeed. Okay, that's it from us this week. Yes, nothing else to say. Um, contact details will be at the end of the show, as per always. Um, next time, we're hoping to be back with a look at Harry Potter. Yes, the last ever. Uh, I imagine if you're interested in Harry Potter, you've probably already seen it, but we're going to tell you what we think anyway, because yeah. our opinion matters. Yes, it does. And we'll, we'll see what else we can get up to. But anyway, until then, it's goodbye. Goodbye. If you'd like to contact us, you can email Simon and Wayne at spiffingreview.com, follow us on Twitter at spiffingreview, or visit our website at spiffingreview.com. Spiffing Review is an It's a Trap production.